catch on a slant. He's at the 40, 35, he accelerates 20, 15, 10, 5. The little guy from Stanford, the rookie, Dark Baldwin. A few years ago, I was in these same shoes, you know, and uh, being able to come back out here and see the kids enjoy themselves, and they're, they're smiling and having fun and interacting back with you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a rewarding feeling. I've been blessed with the platform, and I think the platform is an opportunity to express the values and the importance of, um, of doing that soulful work. You're never going to be perfect, but you strive for perfection, and that's just the mentality that I have. but it's, it's going to build character and build strength and, and fortitude in how, how you handle it. This is the Pacific Northwest Showdown with Michaela and Kate. Hello. This is our one-year anniversary episode. Huge. Huge. It has been officially a year mm -hmm. since we have uh, launched the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. And we have a very special guest joining us today to celebrate. Oh, yes. And that is Seahawks Super Bowl champion, mm. Doug Baldwin, whoop, whoop. one of the best wide receivers in Seahawks history, one of the most consistent receivers, um, incredible catches, great hands, one of the best route runners. If you want a wide receiver to know how to run routes, have them watch Doug Baldwin tape. <laughs> Doug, yes. thanks for being here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, we like to start off these fun interviews with kind of the, the same sort of questions. So um, starting off with what is your favorite thing about living in the Pacific Northwest? The seasons. Absolutely. Um, you know, people always talk trash about it raining. I love the rain. Um, and I grew up in Florida, so we didn't really have mm -hmm. seasons. It was always hot and, and muggy. So here and like when I got to the Pacific Northwest in 2011, that was the first year I saw snow. Mm. So the first first time in my life I'd seen snow. So that was a big deal for me. So uh, the seasons, I love the weather here for sure. That's amazing. And it's interesting yeah. to me because I feel like there's so many former Seahawks players that stay in the area when they were they come from other states and other towns and cities. Yeah. What do you think that is? Like, do you know what that is across the board for you as all players? Is it that you really built a foundation and a home here with your families and it feels good to stay? What is that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Cliff and I, Cliff Averill and I were actually talking about this the other day. And I think from for our specific group, because we were so close and because most of the guys decided that, you know, they just wanted to stay here. So other guys decided they would stay here too. Mm -hmm. um, we're so close as a family. And 
but then you think about guys who have been here before, before us and who decided to stay. I think it's just, I think it's the culture of this region. You know, there's something about this region. The Pacific Northwest is like, you guys own that. The Pacific North, Northwest, it's, it's, it's something about it, you know, and um, it's, a, it's a really galvanizing culture. You know, mm-hmm. you, got, mm-hmm. you got people from all walks of life, all experiences. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a beautiful mixture of, of perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I think from our, our standpoint, the athlete standpoint, like once we leave the game, we're kind of lost, you know, we're trying to figure out what our, our next footing is and trying to grab that next footing. And Seattle's always been, at least from my standpoint and the guys that I talk to, like it's always been this place where we can, you know, explore different avenues, different, mm-hmm. um, our different curiosities and actually find things to do in those avenues. Um, and I don't think you can get that in, in many other places. There's very few places where as an athlete, we get paid so much money, you know, and like in other places, you'd be in the top 1%. And granted, we probably still are in the top 1%, but it's like, we're not the highest paid people in this region, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot, we're doing a lot of amazing things. And they're not just tied to money, but it's just, it's tied to impact in the community and, and business in general. Um, there's so much opportunity and so much learning that takes place. And I think that's why a lot of us decide to stay here. Thanks for that insight. Cause yeah. It's always been intriguing to me. I just love seeing when you you get guys go hiking together or you're just going on bike rides. You know, you <laughs> see the the social media posts. It's just like, oh, God, they're all hanging out. That must be like the coolest group of people to just kick it with. <laughs> um, so, you know, you talk about post, um, you know, football life and as an athlete, once you retire, lots of you have families. I want to ask you this question. It's one of my favorite questions to ask. But what is your favorite thing about being a dad. I, I've seen some of your tweets lately. Now, cutting the crust off of, was it a PB&J sandwich? What's your favorite part about being a dad? Um, I mean, there's so many amazing things about being a father, but I think what I'm, what I'm experiencing as my daughters are getting older is that they're teaching me so much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that as a young man, there were so many things that I thought about the world, the perspectives that I had about the world that I'm now, you know, unlearning and then now relearning things about, you know, my mom, um, about my dad, about my my wife and my family. It's just, I don't know, you just, you see the world differently from through their eyes mm. and the, the, they, they care about and things that matter to them. Right, which is very little. Like they only care about like, do you love them at the end of the day? Right? They just want to feel love at the end of the day, and they're teaching me that in a, in a way different plane, way different level. Um, I think that that's what I find most fascinating and most amazing about being a parent is that you know, when I was a child, I looked at my my parents and I'm like, y'all have to have the answers. You're my parents. You got, I I expect you to have all the answers. Now I'm realizing mm-hmm. I don't have any. <laughs> But daughters, they're teaching me the answers. They're teaching me the answers as I go. And that's pretty incredible. And I I think that's what I love most about being a a father. That just didn't like, yeah, melt your heart right there. I don't know. (laughs) No, for real. I mean, the older I get, I'm still like, I need my mom. Like, (laughs) yeah, mom, this thing's hurting. Like, what's wrong? And she's like, I snipe probe and you're fine. (laughs) You know, just like something like that. Um, So that's really special to hear. 
you look around for the adult and you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm the adult. So, yeah, okay, yeah. better figure that out. <laughs> well, I'm sure with, uh, I'm sure with all this, you're kind of learning new things all the time. And, um, I always think it's interesting to find out, like, do you have like a hidden talent or a hidden hobby that maybe not a lot of people know about that is kind of a fun, unique thing to you? Um, I mean, I, I used to go fishing all the time when I was younger, my grandfather and I would go fishing every weekend. Um, and that's something that I've wanted to get back to doing. Mm. This hasn't happened just yet. My kids are dominating all of my free time. Oh yeah. At this stage, I mean, I got three kids, three years and under right now. So you can just yeah. imagine, and we don't have any family here. So it's just, yeah. uh, it's just a really challenging season of life for us. So, sure. uh, but when I do get more time, that's what I will be doing. Cause I've heard the fishing in this area, not only in, you know, the Seattle region, but also just in the Pacific Northwest and the Northwest area in general, heard the fishing's really fantastic out here. So mm -hmm. I want to do that time and the chance to do so. Yeah, I know it's yeah. So your hobby right now is um is little yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's okay. That's a good answer. It's yeah, feeding and, and cleaning up after little kids right now. <laughs> that's and amazing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, my little sister. I mentioned she's five. Um, she'll be five September twenty second, which is when this episode launched. So she started pre K yesterday. Okay. And they did a before and after photo, which first of all was very funny because of all sort of for all sorts of reasons, but the exhaustion. She FaceTimed me and my sister. I don't know how she knows how to do FaceTime with multiple people. Don't ask me. I don't know how to do it, but she does it to us all the time. Tech savvy. I go, so Betty, what'd you do at school today? She said, All we did was go outside and color. And I was just like, dang, that's the life. <laughs> I was like, you didn't do any, you went outside and you colored. She goes, well, no, we colored first. And then we went outside. I'm like, oh, okay. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. I got those that mixed up there, but it is so fun. Little kids, the things that they say, um, you know, as they just get a little bit older and older, and I'm sure you see it with your three, how they interact and engage with each other. That's only going to be more fun to watch develop as they get older too. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. My, my daughter, we were actually, we were in the mall a couple of weeks ago. And this older gentleman walks by with a beard, uh, a white beard, and <laughs> in front of everybody as loud as she possibly can. She goes, Mommy, is that Santa? Yes. <laughs> it's just in front of everybody, you know, and it's just like they're so innocent and so, you know, they just have no like inhibitions of any kind. They just <laughs> and say whatever they want to say. It's very, it's just very fun to watch. I'm sure that's not the first time that man has heard that based on. I mean, I think if you, if you grow a white beard, that's like long enough, like you just have to know that that's yeah, probably what's going to happen with little kids. So yeah. <laughs> did he hear, did he like turn and look at the, the whole mall heard? Uh, <laughs> gotcha. I mean, he was a good sport about it. He smiled and laughed it off. So it wasn't a big deal, but <laughs> we were a little embarrassed. That's hilarious. I love that. All right. Well, We'll dive into a little bit more Seahawks focused questions here. We love getting to know just kind of a little bit more about who you are as a person, because I feel like those things aren't talked enough about when you're 
discussing, you know, sports or with talking with athletes. So I'm like, who are you as a person? What's going, cause we're all people, right? Yep. So we experience our day-to-day lives. You talk about how your hobby right now is helping raise your three little girls. And, you know, that's very relatable to so many people in this world. This is like that, that's a mm-hmm. three under three. Holy smokes. It's a lot. That's it's a lot. lot. So <laughs> we'll uh, shift gears here to the Seahawks a little bit. So this will be the first season in 10 years that Russell Wilson is not under center for the Seahawks. And, you know, I'm kind of curious because they have such a solid offense. Like when you look at the roster and especially how left tackle Charles Cross, Abe Lucas at the right tackle, how they're developing and how they looked in preseason. You still have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett on the roster, Noah Fant. Are there going to be a whole lot of growing pains for the Seahawks based off of what you've seen? And, or do you think they'll do better than people are expecting them to do? Yeah, it's a great question. When I look, if I put on my GM hat and I'm looking at the roster and the talent that's on that team, um, it's really compelling to me to look at it and say like, they're building something like the foundation is there. Um, I think, I, I personally think they're going to surprise some folks. I think they're going to do a lot better than people expect them to do, especially with Geno coming in as now being um, positioned as the starting quarterback. You know, the philosophy that Pete instilled in us and that we know to be true is that you don't need your quarterback to be a miraculous, game-changing talent, right? Like, it's nice to have that. But what Pete's fundamentals are based on is that play really, really good defense, run the ball really well, and don't turn over the ball, right? And if you do that, you're going to put yourself in a win, uh, in a place to be successful. Um, and I think that that's what they have. Like they have, the, you just mentioned all those names on offense. They have all of those pieces in place mm-hmm. to be able to be at least competitive on the offensive end. And I know the defense is going to be way better than it was last year, right? I, I, I know that just in who Pete is and um, who Clint Hurd is. Like I, I know the pieces that they're putting into place and the philosophy that they're building. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, made some noise. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not putting a, a prediction out there for that, but um, I look at the team and I see the pieces in place and I see the culture being rebuilt to what we know it can be and what it should be. Um, and it feels really positive right now. It feels like it's moving in the right direction. Good. Thank yeah. you for that insight. And talking about culture too, it's just, that's the interesting part is, Russell Wilson was so much part of that culture. What is what it felt like, right? Because you have a quarterback feels like the face of the franchise, but you had so many other key components that entire time, whether it was a Legion of boom, solid wide receivers, you know, and I think Kate's going to allude to this with this next question, but it takes a team. And so Kate, I'll pass off for your next question here. So I don't take it away. <laughs> you could, I mean, I'm you not trying to intercept your question. Fine. Ooh, Ooh, I like it. I like it. It's a good, it's a good, good word choice there. Um, so yes, I mean, we currently have some great wide receivers with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, just so wonderful. Um, and kind of curious, like from your opinion, being a wide receiver, um, how does a great wide receiver impact that success level that a quarterback has in any given game? Yeah. Um, I mean, as, sim- as simple as you can possibly make it, just catch the ball when it's thrown to you. You know, that's, 
if I'm being honest, like I'm not a huge football fan. It's, mm. It may be weird. Like I don't actually, I don't actually watch a lot of football. I'm a basketball fan. I'm a huge basketball fan. And I took a lot of the lessons that I learned from basketball and I applied them to football. And what I know about like the energy and kind of like the under below the surface level of the game is like you, there's there's a flow to it. There's an emotion to it, you know, and just like in basketball, when you get in a rhythm, um, that's when teams like transcend their talent. And it's the same thing in football. And one of the things between a, a quarterback and a receiver, it's like if the quarterback knows when they throw you the ball that you're going to catch it more times than not, they don't have to think in their mind about where I'm throwing this ball or even where I'm placing it. If I just put it in this person's vicinity, they're going to catch it. That's a real it's a real impactful confidence that you instill in the quarterback, right? Because at some point, at sometimes like the quarterback may be looking over to the left or in a different direction. And that side of the concept or that side of the play may not work out, but they know that this person is on the backside that they trust and they believe in and they see them and maybe they got a little space open and they feel confident to throw the ball, mm. right? Um, that's where I think you take that relationship to the next level is you have a receiver who Tyler Lockett is a prime example of this now. You throw him the ball, you trust that Tyler's going to come down with it. Or at the very least, nobody else is going to catch it, right? Mm -hmm. When you have that level of confidence and that ability of a playmaker on the outside, it opens so many things up for your offense because now not only does the corner have to be locked in and accounted for that receiver, but then the safety has to play over top. Or at least that safety is going to be thinking in the back of their mind, okay, Tyler's over here. I got to go pay attention. And now you throw DK in the mix where DK is just an animal and you, you know, it's just, how do you stop this guy? Now you open up everything underneath. And that's why I think the run game comes into um, play, which again, falls right into Pete's philosophy. If you can play good defense, control the game with the run game, have some weapons on the outside to take the top off to open up the run game, you're going to put yourself in a good position. And I think that's where they're at right now. I, I would agree. And I'm really excited about this running back room, just seeing the development of DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. He looks like he's gotten a little bit more stacked there. Um, the physicality that the, you know, running back room brings Rashad Penny, how he just, when he's healthy in the last six weeks, last season, I want nothing more than to see him just continue to dominate in the run game. Yeah. And I think this offensive line is going to offer that opportunity. Like you said, when you have receivers like, DK and Tyler, they have to make sure that they're like accommodating those route runners. They yeah. can't just completely decide that they're going to defend the run game. So I think it really offers a, the balanced offense that they've been wanting. And it's, we're a different team now. And I think that's the most important thing. It's like, this is a different team and it feels different for the first time in a long time. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. like just these little pieces are, have come and gone, you know? Yeah, I, I feel that too when, you know, just observing the conversations and the interviews, I do I do feel like the culture is getting more where it's meshed, where it's, it doesn't feel like there's it's individual pieces. It does feel like it's a, a cohesive unit that's mm -hmm. trying to build. And then to your point about the running backs, and I, I've, you know, I'm, <laughs> I may be a weird wide receiver when it comes to this, but I do believe that's how you win championships is you play really, really good defense. You have a good defense and you have a great running game, right? And the receivers are just used to convert those third downs and keep the chains moving. That's how I always believed in football. 
And so to your point about the running backs, I think that this running back group could be one of the best running back groups in the NFL. And I, I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb by saying that, but if you look at the talent that's in that room and what they did at the end of the season and how they progressed and added to that, even this year, mm-hmm. I guys a limit for them. And when, again, you go back to the philosophy, that is how do you be successful on the football field? If you can control the, the clock with the run game, if you prevent the other team from being out there on offense, right, by controlling the run game, and you have the running backs that you do in that backfield in, in Seattle, I don't know. Again, I just think it's gonna, they're going to surprise a lot of folks. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, I'm hopeful. I'm like, okay, low expectations, high hopes. I don't know how that works out, but hopefully... <laughs> You know, it can. Um, so do you feel like there's going to be a key impact player on offense and on defense that are really going to stand out and really help this team kind of rise above the expectations? Or do you really think it's going to be this team effort where it's not going to be one individual person that is really help helping elevate the game? Yeah, I don't know if it's one individual person. And I, you know, I, I would never say that because it's a team sport, right? But if if you want me to give a little bit more specificity, like uh, a, a group, I would say I think um, on the offensive side of it, we mentioned it. I think the running backs are going to be they're going to be that group, right? Um, and a, a, a very close second is that offensive line. If the offensive line and the running backs can gel together and create something offensively. I think they will be unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball because in my view, there's nothing you can do to stop Tyler and DK as a combination. And so that offensive line and the running backs, that's what's going to take that offense to the next level. And then defensively, you got a lot of new pieces in place, but the guys who have been there are those two safeties. Right. Um, And I, I really love those two safeties. And I think a lot of onus is on Jamal Adams, Jamal. He's, he was brought in to be a playmaker. And he is a playmaker and he's got to be a playmaker. And I think this new philosophy on defense, the way that they're changing the scheme and how they're going to be utilizing players, I think Jamal Adams is going to be able to showcase his talent once again. Um, He's an impact player. We know that. And um, there's a lot of things that he's capable of doing. I know he got a knock for in the passing game past couple of years, but um, he's a smart player. He's an instinctive player who can make a lot of plays if he's put in the right position to do so. And I think they're going to be able to get back to that with the pieces that they have now and the way that they're building their scheme. So I would say the offensive line and running backs, it's a close one and two there, but then the safeties on the defensive side, they're the ones that are going to make the big plays for us on defense. I love, I love it. I agree. I like it. Yeah. I was like that. Yep. I like it. Um, So we've got this kind of new culture developing. We've got this whole like team teamness happening and we've like maybe surprising some people this season um based on kind of who um pete and john have kind of brought in and they've locked in over the next you know now and then maybe over the next couple years do you think that maybe you could see the seahawks making it back to like i don't know the super bowl by like 2024 season and if yes or no like what kind of moves or acquisitions do you think we would need to kind of make that happen yeah, I mean, it's it's too early to tell, honestly, but I think, um, you know, Pete and John, they're very, um, they're very good at focusing in the moment and doing what is best for the team to get them to the next stage so that then when they get there, they can focus on, okay, what do we do next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know John and Pete have a big picture plan, but there's so many variables that change in the process of that. 
you can't put all your eggs in that basket to make that happen. Sure. But what now is that they've laid the foundation. You have the receivers, you have the offensive line that feels like it's going in the right direction with those two tackles, right? You got bookend tackles now that are young and probably going to be there for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Solidify the offensive line. You can continue to solidify the defensive line, building out those trenches. Yeah, I I, I could see I could see them making a lot of noise um, in the NFC West, and you know, depending on what happens this year with Geno and with Drew Locke, um, I think Geno is going to surprise some folks and how well he's going to take care of the ball. He may not be, you know, what we've come to know is explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball, but he may be, you know, because you still got DK and Tyler there and he has some rapport with them and they didn't, you know, they, they seemingly didn't miss too much of a beat when he had to go in for Russ last year. Mm. Uh, but depending on what happens there, that's going to dictate what happens next year in the draft. Um, and I think John did a great job of positioning himself well to have some ammunition going into that draft next year to be able to add some key components to this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, Michaela, to your point, I, I do think there is there's some noise to be made um, if they continue on this pathway because they have the foundation laid. And I, I said this to um, I forget who I was talking to the other day about this, but this feels very reminiscent around 2011. Mm-hmm. All right. I've I've said the same thing to Kate. I'm like, oh God, this feels like 2011, 2012, just that ramping up, and then boom, yeah. 2013 happens. Yeah, you get this feeling like they, they've they've laid the foundation, they've got the pieces, mm-hmm. they know what they're building, they know what they you know they know what this looks like. There's maybe a couple of pieces that they may need to pull in. You don't know. You just wait to see what happens this year, and then you see what happens. But I think they're positioning themselves well to be successful in that. 2024 2025 range for sure i love we all love to hear it let's be honest if we're seahawks fans that's like we're just like wanting a little bit of something to be excited for here so light um i think it's possible but again as you said it it is too early to tell because there's a lot of games still to be played and to kind of see how people develop and and the people that we selected this season although it looks really you know exciting Tariq woolen uh kobe bryant you know, Boyamafe. So just mm-hmm. to see how those players develop, Abe Lucas. So um, we appreciate you elaborating a little bit on the Seahawks and their current situation. I do want to change gears um, before we let you go and get back to your day today. But there's something that's really important to me that I enjoy talking about, and it's really important to bring awareness to, and that's mental health. And um, I read an article the other day that from Brady Henderson and ESPN about kind of your experience and your adjustments and your shift from being an NFL player to the work that you're doing now um, as a CEO and founder of your own two companies. And so in that article, you had mentioned that during the first eight months of your retirement that you had experienced, and you said, you know, I'm not a doctor, but you experienced eight months basically of clinical depression. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on whether or not you think that athletes can be better supported from the leagues that they play for through that transition from retirement or potentially season or career ending injuries does the league provide support with that process or are you kind of left to your own devices to take care of yourself in that way yeah i mean it's a solid question and the the nfl has done a better job over time of trying to provide resources um can they be better at it of course and i think you know that that's going to be a constant, you know, as, as society changes and as needs change, I think organizations like the NFL, they also have to adapt and grow. Um, 
you know, that being said, I do put more onus on us as individuals, as players. Like, you know, I, I heard going in, I mean, when I was a rookie, I heard going in like, hey, make sure you put the right people around you because this shit is hard. This is basically what the message was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as a young kid, you just, you think you're invincible and, you know, none of those problems, and you're going to play forever and you're never going to get old and your body's never going to get brittle and, you know, all the things. Um, but it, then it comes down to that time and then it hits you like a ton of bricks. And um, I would like to think that I was really prepared for, you know, that stage of life thinking that, okay, I have, you know, the right resources. I had, um, I had three counselors at the time. I had, you know, friends and family around that, um, a good support system, but it was still really, really difficult. You know, mm-hmm. um, So I put more of the onus on the players to know going in that it's going to be difficult, but also to know like, there's nothing that, that I don't want to say there's nothing you can do. Obviously you can do, you can put some things in place to make it, um, you know, not as painful of a transition and maybe not as devastating when it comes to like decision-making or, you know, feeling so depressed and so down that you then go make a decision that's terrible for everybody. Right. Um, I do think there's some things that you can put in place. However, I do think it's just a hard transition in general. There's Mm -hmm. nothing about that. It's just knowing that going in and expecting that challenge and then facing that challenge when you are faced with it. Um, So, yeah, it was a, a very, very difficult time. I also, my daughter was born three days after I retired too. My first mm-hmm. daughter was so, um, a whole bunch of transitions and I, you know, it's just, ah. just a lot going on. So, um, yes, I do think that the, the NFL is there. They're trying to be better at it and they should continue to try to be better at it. But at the end of the day, I think, uh, as players, we've got to take some more responsibility in this and, and make sure we're being thoughtful about that time of our career or air in our time when it gets to that point. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's important for people to know, number one, that no matter where you're at in your life, or as you said, your daughter was born three days after your retirement. And although there can be positive things happening in our lives, no matter what, it's, it's transition and transition for any of us is hard to navigate and to adjust to. And we're very much creatures of habit. And so when there are big life transitions like that, especially multiple at one time, yeah. those things are hard, whether they're positive or things that maybe you weren't anticipating and it's a little bit more harder to diff- like to process. So I appreciate you being transparent because it's a very real feeling to have um, yeah. regardless of those situ- situations. No, and, for sure. Appreciate yeah. you giving me the space to even say that because I think, and in, in I'm learning this as I go too, when I was a player, you know, we thought individually, we thought that we were invincible. Like, you know, mm-hmm. none of this affects us, but it does. And, you know, I look back on some of the decisions I made when I was playing and some of the things that I did. I'm like, I'm responding from to trauma, you know, instead of like being, instead of recognizing it as me responding to trauma, I'm just saying like, oh, it's just, you know, I don't even know what I was saying at the time, but I'm looking back on it. It's like, I was just responding to trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really grounding for me because now I can see, okay, I'm just another human being, right? Mm-hmm. And there's 
and I, I got to admit, there's parts of me and other individuals, other players, I think a lot of us do this, is that when you're in that realm, you start to put yourself on a pedestal. You start to think of yourself as more than just a human being, right? Mm. Um, because you have to, to some degree, to survive in that world. But then when you leave the game and you recognize, like, I'm just another human being, just like, you know, everybody else. And then you look at it for what it is. It's like, there's some there's some learning lessons there, right? And I think me being able to share that, I hope that fans on the outside also look at that as the same thing. Like, give these guys some grace. Like, mm -hmm. it's a really hard environment to be in. It's a really hard environment to be in. Um, yeah. And it's a lot of young guys that are in that environment and they're learning lessons, really, really hard lessons as they go along. There's a lot of fun and, and you know, fortune and fame that come along with it, don't get me wrong, but there's also challenges that come with that too. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for the multi-million dollar athlete, but what I'm just saying is, is that they are also human at the end of the day. Well, and that's I mean? the key component. And I think that that's what I like to highlight here is that, especially in the world of social media and the things that you guys are exposed to. Oh yeah. Heaven forbid you have one drop or a bad game. Yeah. <laughs> or you yeah. throw a pick or you miss a tackle. I and hate you know there's football as a player. Look, as somebody <laughs> that loves the game and I watch the game, I am 100% a couch coach and I know that you guys can't hear me, but it's but I would never and I I do my best to not go out there and bash players for moment because we're human and i think that's the most important part like none of us are out there sacrificing our bodies to put on a show for people like you people play the game because they love the game and they're passionate about it and they have a talent and a skill set to be able to do that but there's also the component of saying like i'm on this world stage and yeah. people are here cheering us on and supporting us and yeah. so there's so many different levels of yeah you might be getting paid a lot to do this but at what cost because it's a mental cost it's a physical cost it's your it's your time it's your time with your family it's there's so many things yeah. that you're also sacrificing to be able to do this and mm. those things aren't necessarily taken into account by everybody and i try to keep that at the forefront of my mind which is why we like to ask these questions mm -hmm. and i know that kate has at least one more question for you if i have a little more time to give um, yeah. before we wrap up here yeah it, and it's it sounds like you know there is still kind of that maybe stigma surrounding mental health and needing support and oh it's not going to be me and everything um kind of with society in general but also with athletes and so um you know what are things or or what are ways that maybe society and just our communities um, can help kind of break that stigma down about mental health and make it even more um, accessible, I guess, in terms of like help and support and just even discussion. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's probably a lot of um, systematic things. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of systematic things that could be different and changed uh, to impact society's mental health for the better. Um, I don't know if those things will be changed. Right. It's just we live in a society that's, um, you know, for to be completely honest, is more focused on the bottom line. You know how much money we're making rather than yeah. the health and well-being of the individuals. Um, and that's always been the case. And so I don't know how much of that is going to change. I do think on an individual level that there is more of an emphasis on maintaining your health and taking care of your body. And so mm -hmm. I do see more of the opportunity available. But again, that also lends itself to like trying to make money, right? 
so um, there's uh, there's a quality um, conversation, I guess, right? Like, mm-hmm. I encourage everybody to have a therapist. That doesn't mean all therapists are good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you got to find a quality therapist. Uh, and so, to answer your question about what we can be doing, I think from an individual standpoint, it's just like you never know what the person across from you has been going through. You never know what their life is like, you know, behind the scenes or away from social media. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, you know, we hear these crazy stories and things that happen in schools or, you know, in just in public in general. And then people are like, well, we never saw that. We, we, we never expected that from this person. They were always smiling and always happy. But mm-hmm. it goes back to the point. You never know what somebody's dealing with. And so, um, you know, my... I, <laughs> I think you guys have heard me say this. I know you see me tweet it a lot. Love is always the answer. To yeah. me, it's, it doesn't matter who you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing or what you're going through or what that other person is going through. If we can always bring love to the table, compassion to the table. And I'm not saying that I, I know I don't do that in every situation. You know, it's really hard to do sometimes, especially when people are getting on your nerves. Um, but if we can have a more intentional effort to do that in those moments that we you know, don't feel like doing so, Mm-hmm. I think make a big drastic difference in our society. I, and I say that with kind of tongue in cheek saying that like, I don't ever think we will live in a utopian society. Mm. Just don't think we will, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a way bigger conversation that maybe we can have one day, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think if more individuals could be in the spaces that they're in with more compassion and grace and understanding for their help for their fellow human being who's mm-hmm. also living on this planet on this rock that's tumbling through space that we could have that perspective i think we could change things and so um yeah to your point that's what that's what i would encourage folks to do because again you never know what somebody's going through i love that i love that i actually saw a hat the other day that said make america kind again and i was just like i love that too because i think that if we just, you know, take that minute and think about that other person and what somebody else is going through or, you know, how we're feeling and how that affects how we're treating other people and things like that. And so just having a little bit more of that, that grace and compassion and awareness could really just make, it could make a big difference, like ripple out, like, you know, like a pond or throw a rock into or something. I don't know. Well, and I think at the end of the day, it's about not making assumptions. You know, yeah. like never assume that you know what's happening and, and you know, a bad mood might be something that is none of your business as to why maybe somebody's treating you a certain way. And so having the grace, even though you might not want to, cause you don't have the context could extend that person the opportunity to feel how they feel. And maybe you don't know that you helped them be able to have that space to express those feelings. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I appreciate you elaborating on all of these things from, you know, talking about why you love the Pacific Northwest, talking to us about your kids and funny things that they say at the mall, um, <laughs> you know, the Seahawks and then mental health. I mean, all of these things are things that I think um, matter, especially to the point of mental health. Please, I agree with you 100%. Therapy is amazing. Not all therapists are great. I've gone through therapy and I have had one session with somebody and I've had 15 sessions with another person. So make sure that you find the right fit and uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your, your heart, your mind, your body It is precious. And, um, Doug, 
thank you so much for giving us so much time today and for talking about all these things. I could talk to you all day. I won't do that. (laughs) Um, But maybe we can continue conversations down the road. I would love that. I appreciate you guys giving me the space. Thank you. All right, we are back with Doug Baldwin. Mm-hmm. He, you know, there's just too much that went down after two yeah. weeks of the Seahawks opening the season, and we could not leave discussing those two games yes. out of our one year anniversary episode. And round two. Round That's two. That's right. Back right? again. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> so let's just like dive right into it. There's some really interesting topics that Mm -hmm. let's first launch with week one yep starting from the very beginning Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the question that everybody had going into that game will the fans boo russell wilson when he comes onto the field and based off of polls it was very likely that that's the experience he would receive yeah what are your thoughts on the fans booing Russell Wilson as he ran out of the tunnel? Michaela, I'm so glad you asked this question. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I mean, looking at, looking at it from a competitive standpoint, like, of course, right? Like, whoever is the opposing quarterback, the opposing team, like, you're trying to do as, as an organization, as a culture, you're trying to do whatever you can to you know, disrupt their thought process, their mindset going into the game, right? So, of course, that was to be expected, not to mention, obviously, there's history there. Um, him previously working, uh, you know, being with the Seahawks. So, of course, that was going to happen. But I will say this, though, and I, and I, you know, look, we can have a lot of fun with all the storylines and all the, you know, the history that's all involved in this. We can have a lot of fun with that. But let's not, you know, let's not get confused about, you know, booing the um the become the the competitor right mm-hmm. booing in a competition rather than booing the person mm-hmm. you know let's be very let's let's separate those two because at the end of the day this is still a human being out there on the football field right yeah. but it's not a zoo animal so mm-hmm. you know let's let's just be very clear about that but obviously it was an amazing game <laughs> uh so <laughs> it was a lot of fun but uh but yeah that's how i felt about it that's yeah, that's an interesting. I like that you say it's like it's not a zoo animal. These are human beings out on the field. Yeah. But I was watching for Thursday night football, the Bills that for week one, and you hear them running out into the field and it's, you know, Rams house and all of that. They're greeted with a very loud booze. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds you that the opposing team, when they run out, are regularly greeted by booze and it felt different probably because Russ was the one leading that team out and the other emotions that came along with it but that is right so in your experience when you go into somebody else's house and you go to play are you always booed when you come on the field well I I expect not only to be booed but I I expect to hear things that you know are are not um PG-13 related you know (laughs) like I expect that and and also on the field it's never, um, I should say this, sometimes it is personal, right? Like player to player on the field. And most mm-hmm. times it's not, it's just, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're battling, you're being a competitor, just like, you know, on the basketball court, how guys used to talk trash to each other all the time. Like it's, it's no different. Mm-hmm. And so of course you want the fans to be engaged with that as well. Right. Like that's what makes 
well, actually, I can't call it C-Link anymore, Lumen Field, right? That's what made Lumen, that's what makes Lumen Field so special is you get the fans involved in it um, and it makes a big difference. And so, um, yeah, it's to be expected. So we, you know, we shouldn't have been surprised by that. So um, a lot of former Seahawks players seemed like they were there to watch the game unfold and there seemed to be lots of excitement and very interesting social media posts that went out after the win. Your tweet included with <laughs> that, by the way, that was fantastic. So outside of having been um, a Seahawk and continuing to feel connected to the team, did this win mean maybe more to former players than any other win in the recent past, just kind of like it did for fans? Um, I mean, potentially. I mean, look, to be quite honest, most of us were there just because KJ was raising the flag. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously there's some history there too. And, um, you know, things that, um, I don't know, just that are not important to get into today. Right. Sure. At some mm-hmm. point I'm sure they'll be addressed and, you know, but it's when you're on a football team and when you have so many egos and so many people like yeah. competing at that level. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and not to mention to have the success that we did, you're going to have issues. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's par for course. Uh, but that being said, of course, right? Like it's a fraternity. And when somebody is no longer part of that, um, you know, existing fraternity because they go to another team, of course, there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be some fire there. And of course, there is some history behind that as well. But um, again, I don't think anybody was surprised by that. <laughs> I just love I just love your tweet. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. It was like, perfect. I, I love I love that give that it's like the perfect it's the pettiness in her face is like oh yes it speaks perfect. volumes speaks it's, volumes it's amazing yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting and i'm sure you've seen this video going around because tyler lockett was mic'd up for the game against the broncos yeah a lot of people were surprised that of something that tyler caught on to which was that russell wilson was using the same hand signals is that surprising as like a former player that that wasn't changed or is that like almost like, is that surprising? Cause that was surprising to fans that he wouldn't change it up. No, it's not surprising. We've had that issue before. Like other teams would know our play calls and our signals and, you know, we'd be wanting to change them and some people didn't want to change them for whatever reason. So it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. That's interesting. Yeah. Like just hearing him be like, it's a go route, it's a go route, like he's doing, you know, and so yeah. you got to change that up, I guess, because now everybody knows <laughs> it's out there. Yeah, it is. But to give to, to give him, you know, to play devil's advocate, though, when you're in that, you know, you're in a, he's in a new organization, a new yeah. environment, like he wants to keep all the similar things. Right. And I know that's giving him an easy out because, yeah, he should have probably changed it. But at the end of the day, like you're trying to keep as much of what you have previously known intact in so that you can go out and play free. So should he have changed it? Probably because he knew he should have known Tyler was going to be on it. Of all people, Tyler was going to see it for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, yeah, that's everybody that I've talked to about it. I was always just like, I can't believe they use the same ones, but maybe it's more common than fans realize. So that's good to know. Well, Okay, so the first half of the game, Gino was looking great. He protected the ball. He threw the two touchdowns to the tight ends. He was able to escape and continue down 
down that look down the field and just make the plays when he needed to, right? So since the first half of week one, though, the Seahawks have been, excuse me, they've been like six quarters without scoring on an offensive drive. So how much of that is like on Geno and how much of that is just that the, um, you know, Niners defense was maybe just that great? Um, well, you got to give credit to the 49ers defense, right? And, yeah. Um, you know, I I have obviously close friends with Sherm, so we have, you know, deep yeah. conversations about all of that stuff. And he has always talked about the 49ers defense being um, a good one. And so, you know, got to tip your hat to them. They played a really good game, especially in the second half of that game. Um, but, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, the ball falls on Gino. You know, he's got to make those plays. He's got to get into the end zone. And, you know, whether it's all on him or not, he's the quarterback. So he's got to take that, right? Um, I will say this about Gino, though. He has, aside from not scoring in in, in those six quarters, um, he's looked really good to me. Like, mm. he's his completion rate is, I think it's above 80% right now, which mm-hmm. is unheard of for, for going into two games. Like, that's pretty phenomenal. And yeah. I do think... That there are some, you know, there's there's just some kinks to work out because it it's this is a brand new team, right? You got a lot of young guys and they're communicating and seeing things differently. Um, it, there's going to be some rough patches, so it it should be expected. Um, but I will say this: the foundation of what they're building and the the, the nuance of the details mm-hmm. that they're they're going through right now, it looks good to me. Now, obviously, they, they need to capitalize and obviously find a way to score points, but uh, at the end of the day, what the the foundation that they have looks really solid to me. Yeah, I noticed that the run game it, it took a little bit for them to get going. I didn't feel like you know D- Gino was able to find the the you know he dump it off. Hopefully, there's some you know yards after the catch. Um, but I felt like you know you hear Coach Carroll talk about opening up the game for Gino and that he can you know launch the ball a little bit more, get the passing game going. Will that open it up for the run game to start like breaking loose? Because I feel like they've been really contained the first two games. Yeah, I mean it's it's still going to be to be seen, right? Like if you get those opportunities down the field, then yeah, then the defense has to adjust, and that may open up some running lanes um, early on. Um, but I will say this: let me go back and say just like, look, the first game was very emotional, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Uh, the city itself, the fan base, and also the players, right? It was a huge win, and it felt really, really good. And I can see, and again, this is a young team, so we have to give them some grace in this. Like, there is a lot of emotional energy that's spent in leading up to that game and then after that game. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you, you know, you, you may have some level of confidence that may not, ge- may not be genuine, mm-hmm. right? But it's built off of just all that emotion that you went through. And I think Pete spoke to that really well just that it was a humbling experience, right? And again, it's a young team, so you've got to give them some grace in that. But uh, to your point, Michaela, I think if it always, the, the the philosophy that Pete has always had is always predicated off of the run game, right? It's play stout defense, run the ball so you can control the, the clock. And then when the defense gets sucked up from the run game, then you throw it over the top. And yeah, I think that's, it's just part of the process. It will get there, but you got to establish that. And that's going to take a few games. And so, um, I think it's just patience. So for, cause we have, we do have a lot of great rookies on the team this year. So, um, you know, you kind of, whenever you start a new job, it's kind of like you have that not excuse, but you can be like, I'm new, like I'm new, I'm new, you know, for football, for like being in the NFL, 
how long yeah. do you kind of get that? Is it like one season? Is it like two or three seasons? Game seven. Okay. You yeah, have to have game, it together by then. Game seven. Game seven at that point, it's like, look, you've been here long enough. You know your reads. You know the rules. Like if you're missing your assignment, there's there's got to be a bigger conversation there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for us, when I shouldn't say for the entire team, right? Like sure. this is. I mean, Tyler would probably tell you that my expectations are usually too high, <laughs> uh, but for us in the receivers room, it was always seven games. You got seven games to figure it out. And then after seven games, there's no more excuses, right? Mm. Like we need you to step it up because this team is counting on you to do your job if you're playing in the yeah. game. So seven games is uh, that that's the cushion. Okay. And there's a lot of rookies that have seen the field. I mean, yeah. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, Boye Mafe, yeah. Tariq Wollin, Kobe yeah. Bryant. I mean, there's a lot of rookies that are getting playing time, which I think is mm -hmm. great because I think that will help them develop when they get the actual live game time action. For but sure. I was curious to hear what you, your thoughts were on that. It's very specific. Game seven. Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, be. Am I gonna be a hard ass week seven now, and I'm gonna be tweeting, like, being like, like they have no more excuses. Baldwin said, "Doug like, told me thing. this is the game. Get it yeah, together. Oh my god, look at guys. it. Look at it like this. Look at it through this lens. So, like the first game is a wash, right? Like it's mm -hmm. just that there's so many jitters. So it's and it's brand new. Your routine is brand new. The whole experience is brand new, right? So the first game is just a wash. The second game, it's like, okay, I did this last game. Let me see if it works this game, right? Mm -hmm. Typically it does, right? Typically yeah. this kind of mistakes. So second game is also a wash. The third game is like, okay, I feel like I'm getting my routine, right? But it's really, it's still really a test at that point. The fourth and fifth game is like, okay, I feel good about this. This is my cadence now. The sixth game is probably, that's, that's probably the major test because you feel comfortable in your routine and then it's going to get tested. And then depending on what happens in the sixth game, the seventh game is like, okay, either I need to shift or I'm, I'm good where I'm at and let's build from here. So the, I feel like the seventh game gives you enough time to yeah. get through the process, decide who you are on that mm -hmm. team, football player, and then move forward. So seven games would be my, my number. I like it. It gives us a very, well, again. Well, I'll yeah, Michaela, Michaela definitely is going to be like on game seven being like, okay, so like... <laughs> She's going to be, she's going to be, I'll be fine taking notes or something. Honestly, watching it. So the, the whole time we were watching the game against the 49ers, first of all, we were unpacking a bunch of stuff because of our remodel and we're getting stuff back in the kitchen. So I'm like partially watching the game, unpacking boxes. It's fine. Yeah. It was the most calm I've been while we were like losing massively ever. And I think I was just like, cause I kept telling myself, well, we, we beat the Broncos. Like I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> we beat the Broncos. Yep. We'll exactly. see how long that lasts for Ride me before I stop saying that. Um, <laughs> by game seven, by game seven, by game seven. Okay. Game seven. Game seven. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> cool. Um, so looking ahead to the game against Atlanta on the weekend, what do you think the offense specific, like, is there anything specifically that they would need to change or do to actually get going? like in getting scoring some points offensively, like what is what's stopping them from moving forward? I don't think anything's stopping them. I think it's just, you know, again, it's just the journey. It's the process for this young team. Um, the number one thing offensively, and, you know, I, I know this may sound weird coming from receivers, that you've got to establish the run, especially in the system that Pete has built. If you establish the run, then everything falls from that. Everything comes from that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, looking forward to it, like I, I anticipate and expect them to really establish the run 
um, and, and focus in on those details. And then once they do that, obviously Gino showed the propensity to be able to hit his receivers when they're open because, mm. you know, he's he's the most accurate quarterback in the league through two games by a wide margin. And so um, I expect things to start to fall in place a little bit. Now, this this is this is one of those games. This is the third game. It's a key game, too, where just emotionally as a player, like you're coming off a big win in Denver. You get humbled in, in San Francisco. Yeah. Now, OK, we kind of see who we really are. Mm-hmm. Now let's see if it's true of what we believe. And so this is this is going to be a game that um, I think is is going to be defining for these young guys, not just this season, mm-hmm. but for their careers. Right. Like, can I do this? Can I consistently do this? This is a third game. And everybody says, like, when you try to break a habit, it's like the third the third day or whatever, the third time you do it. That's the hardest time. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, this is that game. Once they get over this hump and they get getting that routine again, then I feel like that's when they're going to take off. But to answer your question, they got to establish the run game because everything else will come from there. So and in thinking about this with like all these rookies, we have such a huge season in terms of like travel. Um, well, we like I'm a part of it. The Seahawks have this huge season of travel. So for for these new for these new guys who are coming into the system, how is the schedule that we have this year going to be impactful on them versus like, you know, some of the other team schedules where they don't have nearly as many time zones to cross and miles to go and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Right. Like just, but I I will say this, the the Seahawks organization, they typically have a great plan in place Mm. to mitigate those issues. Right. Like, yeah, if you're going, if you're traveling to the East coast, it's a totally different time when you're waking up and when you're playing the game. And so your body is not used to that, mm-hmm. but there are things that you can do habits that you can put in place. Um, like number one is like not sleeping on the plane on the way there. Right. There's a, for when I finally implemented that strategy, it was a big difference for me because then my body could, could quickly get accustomed to where, where we're going. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, they all have to learn that. And it's really good that they learned that this year, like they're, they're getting a lot of hard challenges this year, which is really good for them because it's going to set them up for the rest of their careers. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I think obviously mm-hmm. it's going to be challenging and the games are going to be challenging because yeah. of the nature of what it is, but long-term, I think it's beneficial. I feel like historically the Seahawks have been pretty good going and playing in the East coast and playing East coast time. Yeah, um, not, too bad. not too bad. Not, not too bad. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about their game in Germany are you we're not going because as educators it's really hard to get time off that yeah. time of year to just pick up and go to Germany which would be awesome but would are be you, amazing are you planning on going I wish I could go but uh the three-year-old the two-year-old and the eight-week-year-old probably won't let me <laughs> yeah I know that makes sense fair yeah <laughs> super cool well so fun any last thoughts about what Seahawks fans should expect from this season after we've seen two games complete now, which seemed they felt very different from one another. So it really makes it hard to gauge as a fan, like what direction is this potentially going to go into? Um, But any final thoughts on, on what we can expect this season based off of what you see? Yeah. I mean, as a fan now, as a fan, like, you always you always want to win right the expectation is that every time you step on the field you should you're going to win right Mm. but i think you got to taper those expectations just a little bit because again this is such a young team Mm -hmm. and so instead of looking at more 
you know, the win loss column. I think um, us as fans now, we should look at more of the progress of these young players, right? Like um, I'm really interested in seeing how these, uh, these corners uh, react to just, you know, time and time again, getting targeted, right? Like there's going to be times where they get, they're going to make great plays and there's times that they're going to get something's going to happen. And so how do you respond to that? Right. Um, one of the things we used to say in the locker room all the time is like, yeah, I don't really care how you look when you step on the field. I want to know how you respond when you get punched in the mouth and you taste blood in your mouth for the first time. Right. A lot of people back down from that. They cower away from that because, you know, it is a hard sport. It's a violent sport. But who mm -hmm. steps up to the plate, licks their lips and gets back in there and goes headfirst into it again. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm looking for, because those are going to be the pillars for the future of this organization that then is going to help you get back to the heights that you want to get to. And so that's what I'm interested in. I'm not so concerned about the win losses um, because I, at some point they will come, but mm -hmm. that progress for these young fellows, I think that's, uh, that's more important at this stage. Seeing uh, Tariq Wallen out there, he's sticky. He, he is. is. He's sticky. He is. And I'm excited to see his development. I know that he's had a few PIs called on him and stuff, but he actually did save a touchdown by forcing, you know, getting a PI called on him and then happened that the defensive line forced a fumble at the goal line yeah. against the Broncos. Two yeah. drives in a row. Holy smokes. That was super cool. Not um, always. <laughs> how that works out all that yeah. often. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how those rookies develop and how they as you said, take kind of those punches to the mouth. Um, it is humbling, but you do have to, it's, there's such a mentality to it and being right in your mental, like, I guess yeah. this is my like kind of last question that I'd love to pick your mind on, but how much of the game for you was mental over physical? Mm -hmm. mm. Um, most of it was mental, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously the physical part of it is you got to take care of your body and you got to um, prep yourself to, in order to perform on Sundays. Um, but a lot of that is mental as well, you know, mm -hmm. and there's times where like your body's telling you, no, I don't want to do this, but you got to go up and catch that ball. Right. Or there's times when you're crossing the middle and you see that safety and you know, you're going to get hit, but it's like, we need this first down. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to do what I got to do, you know? Um, mm -hmm. There, there is, uh, I think Yogi Berra's famous quote, he says 90% of the game is half mental, <laughs> right? Yeah, do the math on that one. Um, Thank you. Right. I only, I I only teach fourth grade math. We don't go that high. <laughs> no, but it is, there's a lot of mental gymnastics that you have to go through in order to establish kind of the callus, if you will, mm -hmm. to go out and do this week in and week out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it is a hard game. It's a hard game and it does hard things to your body and to your mental. Uh, and you, you got to find a way. Jermaine used to always say, you got to find a way to find a way, you know, mm -hmm. and these early years, that's going to establish whether these guys can do that. And mm -hmm. they need, they need to go through hard, challenging times in order to find themselves. You have to get lost in order to find yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so th this is that phase for them. Um, so it's, I mean, Everybody at this level is talented physically. Everybody has a skill set that um, is supernatural, if you will, right? But what separates the good from the great and from the elite is the mental part of the game. Can you get hit in the mouth, 
taste that blood, lose your teeth, and get back up and keep coming, right? It's it's a savage sport, and you got to be a savage in order to be elite in it. So, and that's mental. That's all mental. One hundred percent. Yeah, I appreciate. I could talk mental game all day. Like that's it's my favorite part of the game. Yeah, there is. It was playing softball and stuff. It's not the same as football because I feel like there's actually a different kind of mental game that goes along with it. But having the intelligence and the knowledge of the sport itself that makes you a better player and then all the components that come along with it, like as an athlete, the mental component for me was always what stood out. And as a psychology major, of course, then that marries my love and passion right. for the mind and then how that Makes interacts sense. with the body. So um, super cool. I appreciate you elaborating on that a bit. Yeah. And, you know, we really appreciate you taking more time. Yeah. Because you felt as we felt, it was also important that we connect on how these two games went, what it means for the Seahawks, yes. what we look for in the future for them. And uh, gosh, you've been like the coolest, so nice, most awesome guest for season two, episode one. Yay. Appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Oh, yeah. of course. Oh, yeah. You can come on anytime you want. You could, if you get bored, just let us know. You can come <laughs> back. If you're like, I'll be your Seahawks consultant. All the... When I get tired of these kids, I'll let you know. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. You can all be right. like, Michaela, Kate, I know that you guys work with kids all day. But... Can you please, can you please say that I need to come and talk on your show so I can escape for like 10, 20 minutes? Sure. Like, no problem. That's fine. <laughs> Deal. Deal. Cool. Yes. All right. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. Low Thank key. you yeah it was low-key and uh um, I'm, I'm finally legal 21 years old today yay i was i was wondering honestly i yay. was just like he has to be 21 by now i mean yeah, yeah finally so, i mean do you know what you're drinking are you gonna i don't i don't i think probably still some water water is go. a good option stay hydrated i may get a little crazy and get some coke we'll see whoa love it love mm. it some sugar, yeah. some caffeine. You know, on my 21st birthday, fun fact, um, I ordered a virgin rum and coke. Oh. Which is literally just coke, but I wanted to sound like I was ordering something that wasn't just coke. So yeah. I did that. And okay. the waitress was not amused in any way. No, it was bad. Yeah, your 20, 21st birthday, you're supposed to do something other than a virgin rum and coke. I know, but I, I didn't, I was like, didn't, I wasn't like wanting to drink at the time, but I wanted to still go out and be like, it's my birthday. I want to order something fun. So I was like Virgin Rum and Coke. And the, and the woman was just like, she looked at me like she was like, had had such a day and was not into my tomfoolery and was just like, looked at my friend and just goes, and, and what are you going to have? And I was like, <laughs> like, sir. Yeah. My, my 21st birthday, I was, I went to school at WSU. And I had an exam the next morning. So I was like, you guys, we're going to have to wait. You were partying. <laughs> what? You were partying. You went to WSU, so you were I, partying. You want to know what I did? This is embarrassing and Kate hates this place. Okay. we went. I went to Applebee's with a few of my friends in Moscow, Idaho. Okay. I love, Jack, no I, I love Applebee's. I love I love, oh, you like, I love their love. boneless wings, which sounds ridiculous. I just have had like, judge me. I've had like the know. weirdest Applebee's experience. And maybe it's not Applebee's. Maybe it's just the random times I'm there. But it never works out for me and not, I'm not going to blame Applebee's and just it just coincidentally is always at an Applebee's so well you may have like the Applebee's curse but Applebee's for me, that's my spot the 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 bone in traditional classic wings 
with extra wing sauce on the side. That's what mm -hmm. you have to do that. Okay. I'll try that for sure. Now, Kate, you yeah. get to go to Applebee's. I'll make sure to oh, never go with, I, I'll make sure to never go with Doug though. Well, so I don't mess it up for him. Like if I mess it up for you, that's different. But if I, I don't want to mess it up for Doug. So she's already messed it up for me. That and the Cheesecake Factory. That's like a whole different thing. You messed up Cheesecake Factory. The Cheesecake Factory just has such a big menu that it has advertisements. Like if your menu is so big, you have to have advertisements in it. Like that's too big of a menu. True. I used to their, like their bread's used, really their bread's amazing and their their food is fine like there's nothing wrong with their food but I go and I'm like this is too many choices like what are you trying to be yeah the menu's and, too big my wife says it all the time so yeah you're right I'm I'm with you on that yeah it's I mean but if somebody was like if someone's like hey you have to come with me to Cheesecake Factory like I'll go but it's going to take me a long time to figure out what I want because the menu's too big and this Michaela yeah. will always get the same thing everywhere and I'm like always like I want to try something different every time I go and like see what they've got but there's too many choices I know what I like and I stick with it because then if I get something that I've never had before and I don't like it then I'm disappointed yeah and I yeah. think I should have gotten what I like so since she likes to try things I'll just try things off of her plate yeah right. and then if I like it maybe I'll get it next time but that's also rare i just stick with what i like she always orders and like they give her menus places and i'm like you don't even need to hand her that menu because she doesn't need it she's just gonna order this yeah menu. michaela i'm with you i Good. i go to restaurants and i don't even need the menu i know what i'm getting yeah mm -hmm. yeah yep that's me well Good. I could talk again. I could just sit here and talk to you if you're like, give me a few more minutes before I got to go back somewhere. Like, that'd be dope. We can do that. But yeah, um, we'll yield you back your time for your birthday and your day. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us on the Pacific Northwest Showdown. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, Michaela, how amazing was it that we got to talk with Doug Baldwin, not once, but twice for this amazing anniversary episode, kicking off season two. We talked to him twice. It seems appropriate. Maybe for next year, we have to talk to him three times. I don't know. There but, we go. Um, just make it a traditional thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it, he was so nice to talk to. Yeah. And it felt like you like you've known like we've known him for a long time yeah. just the ease that it was talking to him about yeah mental health the seahawks applebee's applebee's <laughs> his kids embarrassing yeah. moments at the mall mm -hmm. you know santa claus yeah all of those things um but i do want to say as we start season two yeah. to the c fam to those who have mm. listened to us over the last year who have supported us who have shown up yeah. And, you know, shared with their friends, their family on social media. Yeah. For people to listen to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast, how much we value you and appreciate you. And the connections that we've made with so many of you mean a lot more to us. And I think you realize. Yeah. And, you know, we've met a lot of people in person. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, I'm not usually the person that's like, I want to go meet all the people. I'm kind of like, I'm fine. But this has been quite the experience. Like, I think for me, I got involved. I mean, you you all might know, you know, Michaela did the first three episodes kind of solo, solo, right? And then um, I sort of offered, I was like, hey, if you want somebody to talk to who doesn't know anything about what you're talking about, I I can talk to you on this thing. And it's just kind of turned into this whole bigger thing, I think for us, for our relationship, you know, for, mm -hmm. for,
for what we do together and how we're kind of coming out of this whole pandemic and everything else, going to all these sporting events, like she said, meeting all of you. Um, it's been, it's been really incredible. And I think, you know, everybody, everybody that knows me and that's known me for a long time is like so surprised, but I mean, not mm -hmm. at this point, but they were really surprised I was even doing anything about sports. And now so many of them are so grateful that I'm part of this because it's opened up like more in my relationships with other people about sports and bonding over things and like, oh my gosh, did you see the game and whatever. And so, so I'm thankful that you all have welcomed me and my hashtag learning sports self because mm -hmm. uh it's it's been a real it's been a real adventure it's been it's actually i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest it's been a lot more fun than i was expecting it to be so i mean for myself like i knew it'd be fun to be with michaela and do all that but i didn't know that i was going to be having so much fun with sports which welcome to my world i mean if i want to see her that's what i've got to do right so you know I've got to like pretty much. I'm like, you know, otherwise I'm just like, okay, where you're just watching, you're watching that again. Okay, great. But now I can be like, oh my gosh, did you see, you know, so and so? Yeah. I mean, think about the last year. So I just want to give a very special shout out to the Ball Hawks podcast. Yeah. Stephen Chris, Stephen who Chris. Had, had initially invited me on mm -hmm. to their podcast. It was the first podcast I had ever done. Yeah. I was super nervous. I like purchased a microphone just for that episode. And then they had asked me, Michaela, when are you starting your own podcast? Because you're really good at this. I appreciate it. You um, are. And I didn't really take it seriously, but my brother had listened to it and he goes, Michaela, you're like the next Joy Taylor. And first Ooh, of yeah. all, that's, those are big shoes to fill. Everybody knows yeah. how great Joy Taylor is. I'm nowhere near that yeah. level, but it really, it, it made and me And from feel, your brother, that's like, a, my brother, that's a good compliment. That's from a your great brother. compliment. So yeah. he, you know, initially he was supposed to be my co-host. Yeah, he was. Ryan. We're calling you out, Ryan. You were supposed to be my co-host. Mm -hmm. but I, I got super excited. Yeah. <laughs> He's very busy. He's, he works like a his, lot, his butt off. So, mm -hmm. um, the first three episodes I did solo episode one was with Marcus Trufant. Was I was super grateful episode. and lucky to get to have him on as episode one, season one Pacific Northwest showdown. After three episodes, I was like, I can't carry this podcast on my own. I need somebody. Yeah. And Kate is a really good talker and she's has a great voice. It's in my genetics. It's so <laughs> I am really, I didn't care whether she quote new sports or not. She had a really good, um, she had a lot to bring to the table. And I like to say that she oh. is part of why everybody loves this show <laughs> is her, her fun comments and, and her voice and what she brings to the table. She's so incredibly smart hey. and has learned the sports um oh gosh it makes me emotional just like the getting to share this experience with with my wife yeah and to go to all the sporting events and to get to meet the people that we get to meet it wouldn't feel the way it feels without her next to me doing this and getting to know you guys so thank you to my beautiful wife who stepped in and has done all of the things has dedicated so much time to help doing the research for the podcast looking up you know what are the records of the teams how did they do this week and how are we going to report in the showdown lowdown i mean 
literally countless hours have gone into this and a whole lot of money has gone into this and she's been nothing but supportive this entire time never once has she hesitated or asked questions or say we shouldn't do that she's been fully supportive this entire time so shout out to to this one how are we doing that um (laughs) shout out to this one for being just like such a wonderful person and, and supportive wife and um, I think that makes a healthy relationship too, is just making sure that you're showing up for the things that the other person's passionate about. And Kate knows that if she asks me to go to a doTERRA event or something that she is passionate about, that I would show up and be there. And uh, I try to impress her with my like essential oil no- knowledge, oh which gosh, I did not have prior so to meeting funny. Kate. So, so funny. Um, sometimes I'll say something about essential oils and she's like, ooh. And anytime she says something about sports, I'm like, hey girl. Um, and if she doesn't notice that I've said something about sports, because now it's not as nearly as impressive as it used to be. If I say something, I'll be like, did you hear what I said? And then she's like, oh, yeah, babe, good job. Like, yeah. She, yeah. Because, you know, I'm still hashtag she, learning sports. She knows sports. And that's the mm-hmm. thing, right? She's starting to know sports so much that it, it doesn't catch me by surprise as much anymore. I'm just it's like true. having normal conversation with Kate about the things and she's asking questions. And I'm like, yeah. And we're so it's really cool. Um but anyways, that being said, it's it's just transformed this podcast and the people that we've gotten to interview and meet. Um, and a lot of and and a lot of that's because of of all of you all, out of there too, you. right? Offering up suggestions and like tagging folks and um and and some of these things wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for all of you out there, you know, asking for it to happen and then and then it working out. So like Dave Sims reached out because one of you you know, tagged him in wanting yep. to have him on the podcast. Yeah. Doug Baldwin did same the same with Doug, thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, KJ Wright, I had the pleasure of meeting on my 30th birthday what at the field, to, or yeah. the field to table experience at Lumen Field. And that's how we got connected. And Allie Watt, I'm grateful for the, you know, for the OL Rain and their marketing department and getting us connected to get to interview Allie Watt. Yeah. And, um, you know, Brad Tucker, the same thing with the Seawolves. Yeah. Just love, super love that. grateful for their communications department yep. and people that I had connections with you didn't from even, college. You didn't even know. You didn't even know. We didn't realize, you know, initially. And and mm-hmm. so the people that we've had on, the mm-hmm. people that we've gotten to connect with, and especially the fans, the fellow fans that love Seattle sports, Yeah, you are literally why we're doing this. A hundred percent. And um again just super grateful thank you for supporting women talking sports thank you for supporting you know i'm gonna say it the lgbtq community because you all know that we're married and we're doing this yes we are married two women are married so thank you for supporting us um and for sharing the podcast please continue to do so yeah get the word out there this is season two we're starting we're season starting two. off strong heck yeah and we have more guest ideas coming up for season we have two some more don't guests coming up We've got a few things in the pipeline so excited to see what season two has to offer don't stop tagging people that you want on the show because maybe they'll reach out and they'll show up so you never know you have your part to do c fam <laughs> we have our part to do and we're all in this together let's Ooh, go let's do it and remember above all else take care of your heart and mind Did I do that backwards? You did. You usually say it the other way around. Do you want to try that again? Let's try it again. Okay, here you go. Take two and go. Take care of your heart and mind. Above all else. Until next time.
Hey. Wait, that's not how we start this. Are you ready? Yeah. Marvel moment. Marvel moment. Marvel moment. Marvel moment. Hey. There we go. Um, so I just want to say happy one year anniversary of the podcast. Um, I got you a present. Ooh, what's the present? Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here, hold on. Here it is. Wait, I dropped it almost. Sorry. Okay, here it is. Happy anniversary. Blank page of paper. Well, you know, paper is the official gift for one year anniversaries. So um, I got you a piece of paper. Is it? Yeah. Every year for an anniversary has like a specific gift type that you're supposed to give. Yeah. And the first year is paper. So you get a piece of paper. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, it has so much potential. Yeah. It's it's blank. We could use it to write down like our goals mm-hmm. or our ideas okay. or even about like, you know, um, what guests we're going to have on for next season. All right. You know, you wouldn't want to get that confused with like a shopping list or something like that, no. you know, but, but you could, you could write a lot of things on it or you could fold it up. Mm-hmm. Um, to sports related like things like when I was in school and kids would fold it into a football I don't know if I remember how to do that we could probably figure it out right or you could do some other cool origami stuff and make like a cup or a frog out of it you'd have to like make it into a square first um there's lots of things you can do it's a great gift is what it is it's a wonderful Mm -hmm. gift that piece of paper Actually, maybe I do remember how to make a football. Maybe it's going to happen right here, right now. Who knows? So you would do hamburger and then a hot dog. Hamburger and, and hot dog. So for people who haven't been in school for a long time, a hamburger fold is where you have the paper portrait style and you fold the top down to touch the bottom. Hot dog is where you have the paper also portrait side, but you fold the sides Uh-oh. in together to be skinny. Oh, Hold on. You got to make it like an arrow. Um, an arrow, and then would you got to tuck it in, like triangular. Let's see if she tuck can do it. It's tuck it in. That boom, she did it. You ready? It's officially. Let's see. Oh, that went pretty it went far. Somewhere. I don't even actually know where that went. Well, thank you for my one-year anniversary gift. I got you nothing. You have my love. I was like, I feel like you've given me a lot for this, but I also accept nothing. Although you know where the paper is kept if you want to give me a piece of paper in return later when we're off the off the air quotes this air. Has words Ooh, a script. So that I don't forget what I'm saying because I'm hashtag learning sports. There you go. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you're still here, you probably know all of the social media platforms to find us on. But in case you don't, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram and we are on TikTok. And we are at PNW Showdown on all of those locations. So come give us a follow, like some stuff, see what's going on subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform we're now doing things apparently on video that are showing up on like youtube and stuff yeah, so we are. um you could also follow over there if you want 
if you actually want to look at us while we're talking, which maybe you don't. And you know what? I totally understand that you are welcome to just listen to the audio only if that is your vibe. So there, there we go. go. Thanks Thank for tuning in. for tuning in to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. Bye.